good to have you here on this Father's Day. If you're worshiping with us online, man, we are so, so glad you're with us. Um, but, but if you're joining us this morning, uh, just a brief glimpse of where we've been historically. You know, it's wild to think that Christmas is just around the corner. We're just about six months away from Christmas, which means six months ago, we kind of leaned into a season of Advent, remembering the arrival of Jesus into the world. And during Advent, as we remembered his arrival, just after that, we leaned into the Gospel of John to look into his works and his teachings. As we looked at the Gospel of John, we leaned into a season of Lent together, which was our 40-day march to the cross. And this summer, we remember the resurrection of Jesus and the sending of his Holy Spirit. And so we're looking at some of the letters written after the resurrection and after the ascension of Jesus and after the coming of the Holy Spirit to fill the church. And so we're in this series on the book of James. At the very beginning of the book of James, he makes it so clear as to why he's writing this letter. Uh, he writes the very beginning to say that this is to the 12 tribes, the 12 people of God scattered among the nations all over the world, even to the uttermost bounds of it. And, and most notably, as James is writing to these communities that are spread all over the world, He's reminding them that in the midst of their trials, in the midst of their difficulties, in the midst of their tribulations, there is still a call to hear God's word and to do what it says. In other words, the circumstances that surround us don't dictate whether or not we are doers of God's word. The trials and tribulations surrounding us aren't the barometer as to how much we obey God's word. But no matter what the trial and tribulation, be doers of God's word. And so today we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. If you have your Bibles, you go to James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. And as you turn there, we're going to see James encouraging the church to do three things in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. James is going to call the communities God's people. He's going to call them to receive God's word humbly, to rehearse God's word often, and to recite God's word continually. Again, James is going to ask these communities to receive God's word, to rehearse God's word and to recite God's word. Now, I want to start off um, with this little intro into the message. Uh, this, this might be for the fathers out there, but it's certainly for me. I, I don't know how good you are when you get a, a, a boxed TV or you get a new setup that requires lots of parts and lots of components. But if you're like me, you don't exactly like to follow the instructions. In fact, the instructions are oftentimes the last thing that you go to. I'll just give you a glimpse into my life and into um, my headspace. You know, if I'm at my house and I've, I've gotten some TV that requires a few cords, a few cables, and it needs to plug into a modem, I take all the pieces out, I take out the instructions, and then I set the instructions to the side, and I get to work on whatever it is that I need to put together. This always ends in futility frustration, 
and anger on my part. And then in my repentance for not going to the instructions, I then pick up the instructions, and then this is what I do. I try and read just the first couple of sentences of the instructions. Okay, 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 okay. I got it, I got it. Now that I know how to get this started, let me get back to the project. And then I, I begin on the project again and again. Ends in futility, frustration, and anger. And by the end of the entire process, I realize if I just would have slowed down, set the pieces over here, got the instructions, read through the instructions in depth, put the pieces in their place, reread the instructions and followed the instructions, it just would have saved me a lot of time. Would have saved me a lot of frustration, even a lot of anger. When we get to James chapter 1, James is going to call God's people to not just to not just hear God's word, but to do what it says. Verse 19 begins this way. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. This is important. Everybody, young and old, rich and poor, seasoned and still learning, everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. And now this is, a, this is a really good, just kind of general guiding principle in life. In the workplace, in your home, with your roommates, no matter what the situation, it is always a good idea to be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But more specifically, when James is writing this and he's speaking to the communities, he has this in mind not just for general interaction with our friends, family, strangers, coworkers, bosses, employees. James has specifically in mind God's word. That as these 12 tribes are scattered all over the world, and many of them receiving the gospel for the first time. James is saying, man, as you are enlivened by the gospel, as you hear the gospel, be quick to listen to it. Be slow to speak against it, slow to speak in frustration of it, and slow to become angry with it or with your neighbor because of it. When we receive God's word, why ought, we be, why ought we be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? Why? Because human anger, this isn't talking about anger in general. This isn't talking about uh, the kind of anger that God has at times. It says, because human anger does not produce, it does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Man, it is such a true thing that God desires righteousness in his people. As people that seek to faithfully follow God, he desires righteousness in us. As people that walk alongside God's people, he encourages us to help train them up in righteousness. However, the way to do that is not in anger. To become angry that the scriptures don't say what you want them to say. To be angry that your spouse, your friend, your roommate isn't following God the way that they 
ought to. James is saying, if you want to produce righteousness in yourself, if you want to produce righteousness in other people around you, anger is not the way to do it. So just be quick to listen to the word. Just be quick to sit under it. Slow to speak in rebuke to it and even slow to speak to your neighbor of it. And slow to become angry at God for what it says or doesn't say. And slow to become angry with your neighbor because they aren't following God the way they ought to. Human anger doesn't produce the kind of righteousness that God wants for us. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Not just a little bit of it. Not just the stuff on the surface. Not just the moral filth your family and friends are going to see if they come and visit. No, he says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. It reminds me of that New Testament letter in which the writer says, be faithful, be watchful, because the days are evil. So get rid of the moral filth. Get rid of the evil. And he says this, he says, and humbly accept the gospel. Humbly accept the word that is planted in you which can save you. This uh, reminds me of my mom. She has, the, uh, she has the green thumb in the family. The guys are, we're hole diggers and you know, heavy stuff movers. But my mom is, she's the delicate one. She, she can raise up the plants she has a few palm trees she has in the back, and she has this uncanny ability to keep them alive during the winter, and if it's withering, to, to bring them back to life. Keep in mind, she's in Oklahoma, so it's a difficult task. But when I see my mom tending to her garden, when I see her tending to the plants, she does so in such a humble way for the soil. When she's got you know, new flowers she's going to plant or shrubs, She's so careful to, to remove the things from the soil that are going to disrupt the growth of the plant. She's so quick to remove the rocks and the weeds, and she'll even go by new fertile soil, and she'll put it down. And then, and then once the soil is down, she'll just carefully dig a hole. She's not coming in with a big old shovel and throwing it over her shoulder, but she's coming in, and she's, she's carefully digging holes that are just wide enough and just deep enough for the kind of plant this needs. She's preparing the soil, and then she puts the seeds in. And then she carefully and gently puts the soil back over the seeds and pads it down and begins to water it. When my mom takes care of her garden, she does so in such a humble way that the soil could receive it humbly. In other words, God wants us, when we come before the scriptures, to approach them just like this, quick to listen, reading, and rereading, and sitting with it. Slow to speak about what we think it might mean or what we think that it should mean. And again, slow to become angry with God for what it says or doesn't says or with our neighbor. This is one of the reasons why here on Sunday mornings we keep scripture so central. Because when we gather together and we, we sit under the worship of this amazing team up here, we're just trying to take 20 minutes or so to prepare the soil of our hearts 
through the prayers of confession, through the songs that we're singing, trying to remove the rocks and the weeds that when we speak and read God's word, we might be quick to listen to it. It's why in community groups we like to read and reread the scriptures together, that as we sit in circles, we might hear God's word again and again as it washes over us. And this is why even scripture reading in our living rooms is so important, that we can wake up early and we can find our prayer chair, we can turn on that light, turn on that song, light that candle, and just quietly read God's word. Reminds me of a, a conversation I had with a buddy in my front yard recently. Uh, we, we were talking, and I just kind of had a nudge to ask him this question. I said, hey, uh, by the way, I'm just, I'm just curious. He's a follower of Jesus. I said, hey, how's your, how's your generosity these days? And he kind of slowly began to, to speak. And, and 10 minutes later, we were no longer talking about generosity, but he was talking about how he wanted to be a reflection of Christ to the whole world. And I said, that's great. I'm so glad you want to do that. How's your generosity? Because he had taken various scriptures and he was quick to not listen to some of these, but quick to listen to others. Quick to be obedient to some and, and, and quick to speak against others. And so I encouraged him at the end, yeah, but what about your generosity? And I encouraged him, will you just humbly receive God's word as it speaks about generosity? And after him kind of talking for 10 or 15 minutes, just in this kind of quiet, humbled, quick to listen mode, he said, yeah, I, I think I need to take a next step. I think it's true for all of us. We all have a next step when it comes to receiving God's word humbly. Just allowing it to, to speak to us. To take it at face value. And when God's word doesn't say what we want it to say, just to continue to be quick to listen to it. And when it says something we don't want it to say, being slow to speak against it or slow to find some kind of gymnastics, somersault reason why this doesn't apply anymore. And as we read it, slow to become angry with what it says or slow to become with those around us who aren't doing what it says. When James writes this community, he writes to remind them how important it is to receive God's word humbly, at face value for what it says. This is point number two. James wants us to rehearse God's word over and over and over again. Rehearsal is this idea of continuing to do with repetition until it becomes Habits until it's so ingrained in you, you can do it without thinking. Verse 22 says this, do not merely listen to the word, because if you only listen to the word and don't do what it says, you actually lie to yourself. You deceive yourself. Instead, do what it says. Reminds me of that, that Shia LaBeouf clip, right? Just do it. Just do it. Maybe I'm the only one that has seen that clip, but it's a great clip. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
Verse 25, but whoever looks intently, carefully, repeatedly into the perfect law, the law that gives freedom, clears us from our hurts, our habits, and our hangups, and not just does it once, but continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but actually putting it into practice, actually doing it, they will be blessed in everything they do. Here's one of the ways that we can do that. This is verse 27. So do this, religion that God actually finds as pure and faultless, not the kind of religion we're deceiving ourselves into thinking that we are, are participating in only because we're listening to it, But the Father accepts as pure and faultless, and this is verse 27, those who look after orphans and widows in their distress. I was kind of caught by this verse 23, in which it says, uh, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks in the mirror and then when they walk away, they forget what they look like. The idea here is that when we look in the mirror with careful self-examination, We're quick to study our flaws, to study where we have fallen short, to find the adjustments we need to make, but when we walk away, we forget about those adjustments. It's like me, my hair, and my beard. I have a tendency to wait too long between haircuts. I have a tendency to wait too long between hair trims. And so sometimes if I I go and I look in the mirror, I just think, man, Austin, you are looking wooly, man. You need to go see the barber. The hair is coming up over your ears. Your beard neckline is just, it's not clean. You got some fuzz on the back of your neck. You, dude, Austin, you're a mess. I'm looking in the mirror. I got to get this cleaned up. And instead of taking out my phone and scheduling an appointment right then and there, I, I walk away to begin my day, do what I'm doing. And by the, tar, by the time I'm in my car driving to wherever I'm going and listening to my One Republic, I'm thinking, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm pretty sure I look pretty good right now. Because our temptation is, is when we stop studying ourselves, we think better of ourselves than we ought to. But if we continue to come to God's word, looking at God's word faithfully, continually, doing what it says, we begin to get shaped further and further into the image of God. God wants us to do the word, not just read more books, not just consume more podcasts, not just quickly read the text and then to begin to debate the philosophy of religion and the philosophy of this verse and the philosophy of theology. Instead, when we read God's word, he wants us to be quick to be generous, quick to serve the people around us, quick to pray and quick to forgive. John 8, verse 32, says it in a similar way. I'm going to read verse 32 first because many of us have heard this often and it's one of the great deceptions of Scripture. So this is John chapter 8, beginning in verse 32, kind of beginning the second half, you've heard this. It says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is untrue. (laughs) 
This is untrue because many of us know the truth about many things, and yet we still hang out in bad habits. We know the truth about nutrition, and we still go to McDonald's. We know the truth about exercise, and yet we are still binging Netflix. We know the truth about saving and good financial management, and yet we are still in credit card debt. Verse 32 only makes sense in light of verse 31. It says, Jesus said, if you hold to this teaching, not just learn it once, not hear it once, not get a piece of information imparted into you once, but if you hold to my teaching, if you do what it says, then you are really my disciples. And after you've held on to it and held on to it, and held on to it, and done it, and done it, and done it, then you will know the truth of the gospel. Then you will know the truth of discipleship, and you will be free. This is one of the reasons why obedience is so important. Obedience isn't just to set our account right with God. Obedience is for our own benefit as well, that we would be blessed. And all the things that we do, that selfishness would lose its grip. That greed would lose its grip. That self-centeredness would lose our grip. And we would become the generous, others-minded, servant people that God has called us to be. And so what if this is true? What's a slice of the word that you need to not just hear, but that you need to start doing? What's a piece of gospel information that you have that you need to put into practice that you might be transformed by it? What do you need to start doing this week? Maybe it's that phone call. Maybe it's that confession. Maybe it's that gift. What is that thing you need to start doing to rehearse God's word out into your life? James reminds us how important it is to rehearse God's word over and over and over again until it forms us and becomes a habit and second nature. This is the third and final point. James wants us to recite God's word often. Verse 26 says this, those who consider themselves, when they look in the mirror, they think of themselves as religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, they're actually lying to themselves. They're deceiving themselves and their religion is worthless. In other words, if you have a loose tongue, then your religion to God is worthless. It's unprofitable unable to do anything for you, still stuck in your hurts and your habits and your hangups. And so this is the second half of verse 27. He says, so keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I was uh, at a conference recently and uh, we'd got done hearing some speakers and somebody came out and asked me, they said, man, they do such a good job like speaking scripture. It sounds like every other thing they say is like, it's a piece of scripture coming out. They said, Austin, how good are you at that? I said, I'm not. (laughs) It's the kind of thing that I would like to be better at. 
Because when we read this text, God wants us to guard over the words of our mouth. That the things that are said would be profitable to us and profitable to others. They'd be glorifying of God and true of the way things are. That they would help train people up in righteousness. Not that our anger would, but that our words would. And so one of the ways that we guard over our mouth is we try and filter anything that we say through Scripture. In other words, how often are we speaking Scripture to ourselves? How often are we praying Scripture to God? How often are we speaking Scripture to our families, our friends, and our roommates? The idea of constantly having God's Word in our mouth is this idea of, Meditation. It's this idea of chewing on God's word constantly so that when we open our mouth, God's word comes out. This is a a few texts from the Old Testament that kind of come along and help inform what James may be trying to say here. This is Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or speak the way that they do or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But blessed are those whose delight is in the law of God, is in Scripture, is in God's Word, and who meditates on His law day and night. This is Psalm 119, verse 97. The psalmist declares, how I love your word. How I love your perfect law. How I love the scriptures. I meditate on it all day long. When I wake up in my prayer chair in the morning, I'm meditating, chewing on, reciting God's word. When I'm walking through the workplace and not in the middle of a conversation, I'm I'm allowing God's word to be on my tongue. When I'm driving home on the freeway and I'm stuck in traffic, instead of just consuming another podcast, I'm reciting and speaking and meditating and chewing on God's word. And before I go to sleep, may it be the last thing on my tongue. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, Keep the book of the law. Keep the scriptures Always, say always, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything. Not what you want, not just some of it and not just what comes easy to you, but careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. This is one of the reasons why throughout church history, meditation has been so important. It's that idea that whatever's in the heart comes out of the mouth. And so if we're constantly meditating on God's word, constantly meditating on the scriptures, constantly meditating on what James calls the perfect law, then when we open our mouth, we shouldn't be surprised that that's what comes out. But if we're meditating on the way somebody has done us wrong, if we're meditating on how much money we have in the bank, if we're meditating about how we wish this person would just do something differently, you ought not to be surprised what comes out of your mouth when you open it in front of them. And so one of the ways that we keep a tight rein 
on our tongue is by doing our best to speak Scripture. And the way that we reinforce speaking Scripture is just to meditate on God's Word all day long. What if this is true? What if the way we clean up our tongue, the way we speak about ourselves, the way we speak about others, family, friends, even strangers and neighbors, what if one of the ways we begin to get a grip on that is not by just sheer will and not just through trying to say less, although sometimes saying less is a good thing. What if the key to it is actually constantly going to God's word? This is the third thing. Jesus wants us to recite God's word. And so, this morning, we want to turn to the table. And the table is a moment in which we get to do all three of these things. First, we get to receive the better word that Christ gives us. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just. And he forgives us of our sins. And that's a good, good word, church. That we are no longer stuck in our sins if and only if we are in Christ. Secondly, we get to rehearse God's word. We remember the night that he was betrayed, the night he was handed over whenever we come to the table. And finally, as we eat the bread and we drink the cup, it's not just a spiritual thing that happens, the kind of thing that simply we remember, but there's this tangible eating There's this tangible drinking. There's a sense in which we are meditating on Christ, keeping him in our mouth as we take these elements and remember him.